Over the last couple of sessions, we have dealt with why do we study the Bible personally? Why do we engage in that? Um, it, 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 of course, has its branches into why we study the Bible or why we preach the Bible here as a church. But, you know, here, what we do here at church is not a substitute for what you do in your personal life. You cannot live, you cannot spiritually find what you need by just checking in at church a couple of times a week. That just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And that's just very plain and simple. I just want to give you that straight out, okay? Um, I hope that you're helped by the messages here. I hope they're an encouragement to you. I hope they're a challenge to you. I mean, whenever I have the opportunity to hear preaching, it's always a challenge to my heart, you know, to listen to podcasts or be at conferences and those sorts of things. But my spiritual life cannot depend on what other people say. I have to have time with God. And so I, I tried to, to unpack that with you for the last couple of ministry-focused nights, the last couple of uh, months here. And so now we're going to look at the practical side of that. So if you want to put a label on it, the first two, why do we study the Bible, is the philosophical side, why we do what we do. And this, in the next one, is kind of the practical side, because I want to talk with you, how do you study the Bible? Um, and, you know, maybe you hear that, and you think, well, I mean, I, you pick up the Bible and you read it, right? Well, yes and no. Um, it's purposeful. And I hope that it it'd be a challenge to your heart in that way. The old saying goes, if you fail to plan, you what? You plan to fail. Some of you are very well acquainted with that, right? You said it probably to your kids and other people over and over again. And so we spent those two sessions examining the philosophy of Bible study. And now, you know, we, we saw in the scriptures time and again the importance of making that a part of our personal lives and engaging in our own personal study of the Bible. But there is a practical side of it because I think sometimes where the disconnect is on the practical side. We get the philosophical side, right? We get it. Like, we need to read the Bible. Right? We need to study the Bible. We need to see what it says. We get that we should do it. But when we go to engage in God's word, we get discouraged, or maybe we get overwhelmed. I mean, I don't know where to start, right? I mean, you ever, um, you hear the, the stories about people that just open the Bible and they point to it, and, you know, that's what I'm going to meditate on that day. And that works really well until you, open the Bible and point to it, and it says, and Judas went out and hanged himself, and you, and you do it again, and it says, go thou and do likewise, you know? That, when that happens, right, that's not, that doesn't help you, right? And, and that's just the point. It's not opening the Bible and just, well, it's all good. Okay, it's all good. It's all inspired. But it's not going to help us grow. Um, it's not going to help us mature spiritually. I, I know you, you probably have a hard time believing this, but I'm not a gym rat, okay? I don't go and work out, pump iron every day. I know it's hard to believe, okay? Um, if you're going to get in good shape to play ball or, you know, you just want to lift weights or wrestle or whatever it may be, you, you don't just go to the gym and pick out some weights and do some random exercises. You know, whenever I feel like it, this is kind of what I do. 
you have to have a plan. You have to have, you have to say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to get. So this means that on this day I do this, on this day I do this, and this, and this. And over time, of course, what you're doing is you're increasing those things, right? And, and you're trying, you know, you're getting more resistance or bigger weights or whatever it may be. And the same is true in our Christian lives. If we want to grow and change, we have to have a plan and a way to attack it. But sometimes we feel like, I just don't know where to start. Or, here's the other side of it. You feel like you've done the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You kind of feel stuck in the rut. You know, I just, I just this is what I go back to. And I am not really feel like I'm getting anything out of it. But it's just all I know how to do. Well, I hope that these things we talk about can be a practical help to you. And I just want to say I'm, I'm deeply encouraged Incredibly encouraged, you know, and I want to encourage the younger, there's a lot of younger audience here. I want to encourage you, the younger you learn how to study the Bible, the better your life is going to go. The, the, the younger you learn to embrace the scriptures and really say, this is, this is who I am, the greater you can be used of God in your life. And the longer you can be used of God. So I hope that, that these things can be helpful from Adults all the way down to, to kids tonight. There's things here. And this will take a couple of times for us to get through. Um, but I think it would be a really good use of our time. And, you know, because God's word is vital to my Christian walk, it's worth thinking practically about how to make it a part of my everyday life. If we really understand, and I'm not going to sit here tonight, I'm not going to argue the why again. If you want that, it's on our website. And I, or we can have a, a talk about those things. We're going to talk through it personally. Um, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, we're going to talk about the how tonight and how do we do that. And so there's a couple different things. One, I would always encourage you to establish your own plan. Establish your plan for how you are going to study the Bible. And, and very simply, you need to make it personal. Okay, so we're talking about personal Bible study. Not corporate, not church-wide, not family devotions. We're talking about you and God. You and the scriptures. And so the number one rule of personal Bible study is it has to be personal. I know that sounds really repetitive, but it's true. You have to establish a, a method that works consistently for you. Many a good godly person has declared over the years that this way to study the Bible or that way to study the Bible is the best way and the only way to study the Bible. You ever heard something like that? Like, this is the only way that works. This is the only time that works. This is the only... And I'm going to tell you tonight, there's a great Hebrew word for that. It's baloney, okay? Because, and I, I have no doubt, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to, to cast dispersions on anybody. For that person, it probably was the best way to study the Bible. But we're all unique. We're all different. Um, our, as we, we as people, we're unique. Our lives and our settings are unique. We're all at different stages of our lives. We all come from different backgrounds. And so our personal approach to studying the Bible is going to look different than someone else. But I think that we can, we can establish some basic principles that apply across the board. The first basic principle is the one I told you I'm not going to argue. You have to study the Bible. Okay, that's, that's number one. 
we must understand the vitality of personal Bible study in the life of a Christian. And with that established, then you can go forward with the practical. You can't, you can't go into the how until you understand the why. And so I want to introduce to you some practical, universal questions. I really think that these have to be answered if you're going to study the Bible effectively. And, you know, you may differ on some of the questions you would ask or, some, or the way you would ask it. This is just, again, because it's personal, this is the way I think through it but I tried to think broadly and help, help us all kind of a, get to that point. Okay, the first one is this. Uh, you have to answer the preliminary questions. When will you make time to study God's word? When? And I purposely use this phrasing. When will you make time to study God's word? We live in an extremely busy world. Do you agree with that? I mean, it is so fast-paced, it's hard to keep up sometimes. You think Satan doesn't know that? You think that, that he won't do his best to keep you tied up and unable, so to speak, to get time with God if he can? And so it's important, I believe it's, it is firmly important that you set a time for yourself with God. And, and yes, okay, so right off the bat, I understand that there is a difference here that's unique as anything else. Because I know that I'm not like the next person. In my life, I'm a fairly scheduled person. You know, I, some of you have been in my office or you see my phone and I just, I have all these things on my calendar every week. You know, at such and such time, this, you know, this, I'm going to meet this person or do that or go here and do these things. It's just the way I have to operate. You know, I like, I like things in my life to have times and places, or at least generally so. You know, at least have a general idea of when something's going to happen. And I recognize that not everyone is that way. Okay, not everyone lives their life that way. But I just, I just ask you to hear me out here for a minute. You need to have some type of at least general plan as to when you will spend time with God. Now, this doesn't mean it's a sin if you miss that time or you need to reschedule it, okay? But you need regularity. We are all naturally creatures of habit. And you say, are you sure about that? Yes. Look who sits on the same rows every week, okay? From the front to the back, I generally know where you sit in church. Some of you move around so I can't find you, okay? But I generally know about where you're going to sit when you come in on a, on a Sunday because you're, you're creatures of habit. And I know now all of you are going to change next week just, just to mess with me. I can see Don sending out a church-wide email right now, okay? But I'm that way. You know, when I do things, I generally do things the same way, you know. I, I get up, I do things in the same way every morning. I eat generally the same thing in the morning. I go generally to work at the same time. I, when, I, when I go to a service or a, or a thing, I generally sit in the same kind of area every time. I, we're just, we're given to our habits. And so it's, I, we need to make our time with God one of those habits, Here's something we often say, and we don't, we know it's not going to happen. We say, well, I'll do that when I have. How many of you have ever said that and found out you didn't have the time? 
And I'm not just talking about the Bible, the reading the Bible. It can be about anything, you know. I'll wash the dishes when I have time. I'll walk the dog when I have time. I'll work on that thing, that project at the house when I have time. And generally that means it's not going to happen, right? I mean, if we're honest. It'll happen, or it might happen eventually, but probably not that day. And that's a habit, too, to kick the can down the road and applies to everything in our lives. And so I just would encourage you to find a time that's generally right for you. And, and yes, I would encourage you if, you, if you can, to find a time that too often wouldn't be changed. And again, this is not a hard and fast rule. I get that. But again, we're creatures of habit, so generally is a good thing. And I know, okay, there are circumstances in life. It's hard for a mom with small kids because sometimes those sleep patterns and those nap times are extremely unpredictable, okay? I live with a young mom. I get it, right? Um, And there we have to make sure, you know, that's where we have to make sure we give it its due precedence. So sometimes things come up in life and we say, well, okay, we'll get to it. We say that, we get to it later, right? So you have to just go ahead then and set in your mind, okay, that has precedence over, because what happens is we generally then do find some time later to do something we really wanted to do. We really wanted to make sure we got home and checked this or did that, or we wanted to make sure we had time to sit down and check this video on YouTube or, you know, check the game and watch this. And and so, you know, we, we have to make sure that when we give get the time, we don't give it away to other distractions. And so when you set a time, I always say make sure it's a time you can focus and be relatively undisturbed. And I think it's always helpful if, if you're not afraid to communicate that with other people. I, there's this thing, maybe it's just in my life, but I'm guessing not. Sometimes we treat our time with God like some big holy secret, I don't want to tell anybody that's when I read my Bible. You know, it'd probably be helpful if we did, (laughs) right? Um, You know, tell your spouse when you want to read, when you want to have time with God so that they can help you. It promotes accountability. It promotes enabling one another to do those things. I mean, that's a healthy thing. So teens and kids, ask your parents to help you establish a time with God. And we do that in our own home. If you came to our house um, and you went to the stairs that goes up to the kids' rooms and you looked on that back side as you went up, you would see, some of you have probably seen it. Some of you kids have been at my house and probably seen that when you're upstairs. There's a list that's above the stairs when you come down, and it says clothes, bed, and Bible. And that's what they're supposed to do. Well, the one who can read is supposed to do before he comes down in the morning, you know, these are the things. We're trying to help him, what, establish a pattern. You know, he has time in the morning to read, to spend time with God and to do his, his devotions. And so our parents can help us with that. And parents, I think it's a wonderful testimony to your family if they catch you reading your Bible. I have been, since I was a young kid, I've been an early riser. That's just my wiring. I don't need coffee, okay? That's, I'm not even a social drinker when it comes to coffee, so... Um, it's fine if you like coffee. I think it's dirt. So, and so I, I generally am given to getting up earlier in the morning. Some of you are going to walk out on me right now, okay? 
I do like Mountain Dew, though. It makes up for it, all right? Being an early riser isn't something that's really generally appreciated in my own children. (laughs) I've passed that on to them. But I can tell you, I mean, to this day, actually, I mean, I was just there a few weeks ago. and So, I mean, I can tell you it's still true. When I get up in the morning, I know where my dad's going to be because he's been there my entire life. I can't ever say this without almost crying because it just, it means so much to me. Um, you know, when I would come out when I was a kid, there where my dad would be sitting in the chair reading his Bible. And now he's gotten more mature. He wakes up a lot earlier and he still does it. I was there a few weeks ago and he still gets up and he sits in the chair and he drinks his coffee and he reads the Bible. It's a testimony to me. It's a challenge to me every time I see it. Um, it's always been that way. Now, you know, the other side of this is I don't, don't use this as a chance to avoid helping out with the necessities of the home because you need your quiet time, right? You know, honey, I really would help you, but i got to read my Bible, you know. Don't use it as a weapon, okay? Instead, you may need to give up something your flesh desires to do in order to prioritize reading your Bible. That's where we should be looking to give up, right? Well, that's not a bad thing, but it's not the best thing right now. I need to spend time with God. So when will you read your Bible? When will you have time to study the Word of God? Only you can answer that. Second, I, like, I always include this question, where will you go to meet with God? And that might sound a little strange at first, but I find it really does hold value more often than not, in helping you stay consistent. And again, none of these are in Scripture. None of these are set in stone. They're just general guidelines I find helpful. And it's certainly not saying that God can't meet with you anywhere else. But there are some things that I think that, that I think this helps. You know, we know, okay, that's where it's going to be. For me, it's, it's a logistics thing. You know, I keep my Bible on the same, in the same spot, you know, my, my study, my, my journaling Bible that I use at home, I keep it right by my chair so I know where it is all the time. Unless Joanna gets a hold of it and then it's somewhere in my house. But even if you say, well, I don't really feel like I need to set a certain place, like that's my place to meet with God. Okay, well then there's some things that I think stay consistent in that place. One, it has to be free from distractions. Put down the phone, mute the notifications. Don't read your Bible in front of Sports Center, okay? Um, put away the book you've been reading. You know, whatever it takes to eliminate distractions. And again, those distractions are as unique to you as anything else. Second, it should be a place that promotes your own concentration. Maybe, like when you study, some of you guys are like teens, especially you're in school and Maybe you're one of those, you really like music when you study. You know, there's no rule against saying you can't have music on when you study your Bible. You know, that, that maybe there's something there that can, that can help encourage your, your, your concentration on those things. Maybe you're one who prefers the silence of that time. But whatever it is, make it that which promotes your focus on what's in front of you. And so I, I would say pick a place that affords you this opportunity to unplug and to concentrate on the Word of God. 
We live in a very plugged-in world. Let's unplug a little bit. Third, after you answer where can you be still and know your God, what are you going to do during your time with God? I kind of told you that silly little thing about open your Bible and point to a place. But you, the point is bigger than that. You really need to know what you're going to do. How long do you plan to read or study for? Roughly. You know, again. I mean, do you, what do you plan? Do you plan to pray during that same time? Generally, I find it's helpful during the same block of time to spend time praying to God and, 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 and talking to him. But maybe you, you say, I'm, I got another time set up that's better for me to pray. Okay. And you don't necessarily have to limit your time unless there's other people, you know, that are counting on you. You know, you may know I have a certain time I have to be done. But I find it's helpful to try to set at least minimum amount of time that you want to spend in your personal time with God. I find that, by the way, I find that especially helpful for teens and kids to set a minimum. And it doesn't have to be like, son, you will sit here for the next three hours and read the word of God, right? You know, it might be five or ten minutes. You know, I, I'd like you to sit and read and pray to God for five minutes. And as they get older, okay, now I'd like you to do it for ten minutes. I'd like you to do it for and, you, and you, you help that along. And we need to do that in our own lives. You know, that we should say, I, I want to be able to sit and, and study the word of God longer and spend time with him. What are you going to study? You know, what's your plan of attack? We need a direction. We need to pick a way to go and we need to follow it. And that question of what you will study, okay, at the end of that, you know, what, what will you do, leads us into how will you study the Bible? So these are just some like practical ways that you can set yourself up to study the Word of God. You know, when and where, what, and now we engage with the what, with the how. How you study is important because it doesn't do you much good to set it all up and then not know how to take it on. And this is the second part, okay? So this, all of this and this last question pushes us to the second part. So it's going to leak over into, into point number two. So you, you establish a plan. And then you establish a process. And I'm just going to share one of these tonight, and then next time we're together, I'll share a couple more of them with you. The way that we study the Bible is important. And there's different ways to do it. And so these are kind of the big, I kind of think of these things as big, big three different ways to study it. And the first is systematic. A systematic study of the scriptures, seeing the big picture. And I'll just tell you of all the, st- all the ways that you can undertake to study the scripture, this lends itself to being the least in-depth approach, but it doesn't mean it's not valuable, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. In fact, I think all Christians at some point in their life should undertake a systematic study of the scripture. And I'll explain what this looks like here in just a minute. The scriptures are connected as the word of God. The Old Testament points forward to Jesus Christ. The New Testament shows us who Jesus is and how to live in him and for him. It all, it's all about Jesus. And so it's all connected. And so 
the systematic approach to Scripture helps tie those things all together. And within the systematic approach, there are some specific things. So maybe it's something like reading the Bible all the way through, from cover to cover. Have you ever read the Bible all the way through? Have you ever... No, can you, can you say, I've done that? And again, this isn't a check off one on the spiritual checklist. I read the Bible all the way through, okay? But just a, challenge, a challenging thought. Have we read the entire word of God? Because the Bible says, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, how much of scripture is inspired by God? All scripture is inspired by God. Right? Is breathed, is God breathed. And is profitable. Have you ever tried to read the scriptures from cover to cover? Did you ever get off track and get discouraged when you did that? Like generally around Leviticus that happens, okay? And if you make it through Leviticus, you're doing really well, and then you hit like the first nine chapters of Chronicles. And that, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. It is name after name after name. And I mean, you spend two days wading through that, and you get discouraged, But with a modest reading commitment, you can make it through the Bible. And again, you don't have to do it this way, but I always think, I think we always think well in terms of years. And so if you could read through the entire Bible in a year with a modest reading commitment, you could pace yourself at three to four chapters a day and make it through the whole thing. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. So in a 365 year day, or 365 day year, That's an average of 3.25 chapters a day. Now, of course, on one of those days, you're going to read Psalm 119, which is 176 verses long. Another of those days, you're going to read Esther chapter 10, which is six verses long, right? They, They vary in length. But generally, the average read time comes out to about 15 to 20 minutes a day, depending on your reading level. And there's several ways you can approach that. You can get a basic reading plan that takes you from Genesis to Revelation. You would then, you know, just open the Bible and begin Genesis 1-1 on day one. And then the last day you would end in Revelation, the very last verse of Revelation. And it's just cover to cover as the Bible is laid out for us today. Now, understand that you won't always learn things in the order that they happened. But you always remember where you were the day before. You know, you just go back to that little bookmark and say, okay, that's where I left off yesterday. One of my personal favorites is to read the Bible chronologically. When I read through the scripture, I did this last year, I read through the scripture chronologically. It's become very, very helpful for my own sake. Because not everything happened in the order you have it laid out in front of you. So this gives you historical context for those things. I mean, do you realize that Job is a very early account in Scripture? Now, it's in our Bible before Psalms, so it's part of the wisdom literature. But it actually happened back after creation, um, sometime around the flood before then. And so it helps contextualize that. 
Did you know that many of the Psalms were written around specific events of David's life? And so you read, chronologically, you read something that happens and you read the Psalm that David wrote. Did you know where, which prophets fit into what chapters of Kings and Chronicles? Would you like all of the gospel writers' perspectives on an event in the life of Jesus? I mean, you ever read the gospel straight through and feel like you're reading in the first three the same thing over and over? I mean, wouldn't it be cool to read all of them right at the same time? That's the value of chronological study. Now, the other thing you need to understand in a systematic study is that if you do this, and I think it's a good thing to do, and and say you're going to do it in a year, you will spend nine months in the Old Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. There are 27 in the New Testament. And there are a lot more words in the Old Testament than there are in the New Testament. How many of you read through the Bible in a year and found that you, that, that, that was, you know, like, yeah, it was nine months of the Old Testament, which is not a bad thing, okay? I love preaching Old Testament. But it's just, some, it's just a realization you have to, to say, hey, this is where I'm going to spend most of my time. And you can go and find different ways to do this. So I'll give you a couple here. Uh, my personal favorite is this website called Bible.com, real original. Um, it's, the company's called Uversion. They also make an app, um, the Uversion Bible app. I use, uh, that's what I've used many times over. And you can create an account on there and you can select from a wide variety of Bible reading plans. Um, I just love that when I'm using, like when I, when I did chronological, chronological study last year, I can open it every day and I can go to the next section because sometimes you're jumping from different passages to different passages, and it helps that it's all right there. Now, if you use something like this, that means you're really going to have to watch yourself, okay, that you don't, oh, well, I'll just check that while I'm on my phone, right? Or, oh, so-and-so texted me, I need to text them back. I'm always a fan, though, of using the tools we have been given. We've been given the, the Internet, we've been given... Our phones, these are great tools. Let's use them. Just make sure it's not the other way around. Make sure they're not using you. Um, if you say, well, I'd really like a little more variety. You know, I don't know that I want to spend nine months in the Old Testament. You know, again, personally, I used to say, I might discourage you. Well, I have, I have visual aids tonight, too. Um, this is a really great resource. It's called the One Year Bible. Um, some of you have seen it. I know some of you have it. We've talked about it. Um, you can get this in print. So I have it in print. But you can also get it on, I think on this app, they have a Bible reading plan, that version app. And what it does is it lays out every day, you'll read some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. It's kind of a cool thing. You know, you get to spend time seeing a little bit more of all the scriptures at one time. And, of course, you, know, you don't have to be beholden to doing this in a year. You may take longer to get through it all. I always think in the setting of a year, I just think that's helpful. It's the way we often conduct our own lives and businesses and, and the way we go about our lives. We think in terms of years, but it isn't required. Now, another side of this, maybe a, a little more challenging side of this, is to shorten the amount of time. So you say something like, well, I want to read through the Old Testament in six months. So it's one and a half times faster than you would at that 15 to 20 minute clip. Okay, that's, that's great. 
I want to read through the New Testament in a month. You know, we can, you, can, you can find different ways to help you do these things. I find that's always helpful because it helps you contextualize what you're reading. It helps you make connections a little quicker. If you tackle something in a shorter amount of time, you can easy, more easily see how the pieces fit together. If you've never read systematically, I would encourage you not to tackle something like the Old Testament in a month right away. Okay, so if you shudder at that, like, oh. Um, start, you know, let's start slow <laughs> and work yourself up. But it's good to, to I find, to vary these things. And, and the systematic study has several strengths. One, it gives you overall familiarity with the Bible as a whole. You, you're reading all of it. You're seeing all of it. Again, we make jokes about the Old Testament, but there are many people who, if given their druthers, would just camp out in the New Testament the whole time. We need all of Scripture. It helps us then to understand how things are connected to each other. Hopefully, it helps us maybe remember where some things are. You know, to remember, oh, I read that, and it was in the book of, you know, maybe you write some of those things down that you want to remember later. And I know, okay, I understand. Some of you Gen Z are in here, okay? You have Google. I get it, okay? <laughs> the amount of times I have Googled where is something in the Bible, okay, is astounding to my own self. But it's good, it, it's, it is good to have a, somewhat of a working knowledge of the scriptures, of where things generally are. And it gives us a constant exposure to all of God's word. So when you take on a systematic study, you're you're seeing prophets, you're seeing history, you're seeing the gospels, you're seeing church instruction. It's all there. Now, if you only do this, you say, well, I'm only ever going to read the Bible systematically. Then I think you're going to miss some things. I think if you say, I'm only going to study the Bible a certain way, then you do, you do uh, maybe hurt yourself a little bit. Now, so I, I have weaknesses of a systematic study, and I, I italicize this word only, because is there really ever a weakness to studying the Word of God? Well, obviously not. <laughs> but if you only ever do this, these are some things I think you'll find. One is it doesn't always allow for in-depth study. You open your Bible, you open your reading plan, and you have five chapters to read that day. It's just the way it shakes out. And one of those chapters is longer than the others. And you automatically, okay, I have to just, I got to go. I got to read. It's going to take me a little longer today. I'm going to lock in. And so you don't always think as in depth because you're thinking, I need to make sure I I read this. And that's not a bad thing that you're reading it, but it just, again, it it can be then secondly easy to, to gloss over things. You know, to especially when you get some of these passages like so, so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so, and you're just, okay, thank you. <laughs> and then, lastly, it can be very discouraging if you fall behind. And again, I just practically speak to you on that. I mean, it can very easily lead to be being apathetic about it. 
because, you know, something happened and I didn't read Monday, and then something happened and I didn't read Friday, and something happened and I didn't read the next Tuesday, and then, like, by the, before you know it, you know, you're, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year, and on March 1st, you're 12 days behind. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to catch up. And so, but you keep going, and you get to June, and you're 30 days behind. And then you just kind of go, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. And you get real apathetic about it, right? Because you just, you don't want to rush it. And so, you know, I would just say when that happens, by the way, don't, just keep reading. You know, don't feel like you got to make it all up in one day. Don't feel like you got to, you know, I, I took Bible classes in college where we had to read big portions of Scripture um, when I was a freshman. You know, we had Old Testament introduction and New Testament introduction. And so, you know, for some of that, you're supposed to read so many books of the Bible by a certain date. So, um, guess what freshmen do? Do you think we schedule all that out? No. We wait till the night before. And here I am sitting at the kitchen table reading, reading the minor prophets. You know. So the next day when the teacher says, did you read it? Oh yeah, I read it. I read that. Thank goodness there's no quiz on content, Right? And I would just say, if you've never done something like this, I would really encourage you to try it. If you have never read the Bible all the way through, go for it. Do it. Again, do you get, if you read the Bible all the way through, are we going to pull you up on stage and give you a little merit badge and a little certificate? No, we're not going to do that. I'm sorry. Some of you are very disappointed. It has to be personal between you and God. God, I, I really, I've just never done that, and I would really like to do that. And I'd love to hear that you're doing it. You know, again, not so I can give you a certificate, but I just, I'm encouraged when I hear, hey, this is how I'm reading the Bible this year. Oh, that's great. Um, and if you wanted someone to encourage you, I'd be happy to do that. Or, you know, you can find someone else and say, hey, I've never read the Bible all the way through. I'd like to do that. Would you like to do that with me? Um, what's really cool on that version Bible app, you can be friends and you can see what each other does on there. Some of you have seen that. Um, it's kind of a cool thing, you know, and then you can see what people did or didn't do or, you know, um, it, it, it kind of, I've done that with a friend of mine. We've, we've done that a couple times where one of us picks out a Bible plan and then we keep each other accountable throughout the year as we read through. But because God's word is vital to my Christian walk, it's worth thinking practically about and how to make it a part of my everyday life. And, and this is just half of what we're going to look at. And hopefully it's a good start. You know, these questions, these questions that I gave you, they've helped me develop my own personal habits. And hopefully they can help you as well. And if you've never taken on a systematic read-through of the Bible, it's, it's a really a wonderful challenge to take on and to do. And if that's all you've ever done, you say, well, I've only ever done that then I, I hope the next time we get together, I'll give you some other ideas that maybe that can help stir you up to think about, well, maybe there's other ways to do that. But personal Bible study requires you to personally acknowledge that the Bible study is important and then engage yourself in that study. It does take a little spiritual sweat, so to speak, to dig down into God's Word and find those things that He has told us therein. But it's always worth it. And your study of the Bible is as unique as anyone else. But the need is the same for everybody. 
We need to do it. And so um, hopefully that can be a, a help to you and a blessing. And if it's something you'd like to talk through further, if you, as we go through this and you, I, I show you some more resources, if you'd like to know more about them or borrow something or talk through some ideas, I would love to talk to you about that. And it's just real practical. And that's, that was the intention. The intention was to be very, very practical and very just, hey, let's just lay it out. Let's just talk about it and um, approach it in such a practical way. You know, there's, again, I think sometimes we get this mystical, oh, Bible study. You know, let's just think about it. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's say, okay, God, I'm going di- to discipline myself to meet with you and, and open your word. And now you depend on the Lord and rely on him to open his word to you.